are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, I was uh, studying this 116th Psalm, turn to 116th Psalm, and... uh, You know, whoever the Holy Spirit used to write this psalm, he loved the Lord, so he was saved. And you say, Brother Bobby, how do you know that? Well, uh, there's none that seeks after God. We've all gone astray. The Bible says that in Isaiah 53, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of all. In another psalm, the Lord uh, said, "I, I looked for some, trying to find somebody, and none was seeking him. But he came seeking us. And aren't you glad of that? And uh, what I'm saying is this. He starts off in his psalm and he says, I love the Lord. So he was saved. Because the Bible said that when you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God puts the love of God in our heart. And we don't love God. We wouldn't look for him. He come looking for us and put his love in us, you see. So we know this man was saved. He said, notice what he done, the Lord done for him, because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. And then he said, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell get me hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And look what he found. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. He said, I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. He said, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. And then he, in his troubles, look what he said. Well, I've said this several times in verse 11. I said in my haste, too quick, all men are liars. <laughs> you ever felt that way? My goodness, you're treated this way and that way. and Very quick, you say, I don't believe anybody's right. Well, that's what he said. But they're not all liars, no. But he said here, and this is my text. I'm coming back to it in verse 12. He, he seems to be overwhelmed with what the Lord has done for him. So he said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits unto me? What shall I render to the Lord for all the benefits that he's given me? And then let's read on. Read it. He said, I will take, you know, four times on down there, he mentions, I will. He said, I will take the cup of salvation and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. Then he said, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I'm thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving 
and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, and in the midst of the old Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. I was reading this, and I love the book of Psalms. And the Lord seemed to just speak to my heart in verse 12, and, and look at it again. He asked us, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? The writer of this psalm says, When I think about the benefits that God has given me, what can I do to render unto him all the benefits? And I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about that. I think we forget about the benefits of the Lord and how good He is to us. And I could mention them. I, uh, just for my own, uh, own self, I, I, I thank God for His Son. You know, we, we just forget what God done for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My friend, it's not a one of us that's done anything to deserve salvation. Uh, I, I was attending a conference, I was just a young preacher, that Dr. Robertson was having and, uh, years ago, and he had Dr. M. R. Dehan preaching. And uh, I remember Dr. Dehan had preached, he'd give him an hour at a time, and he had preached, uh, he was preaching Isaiah 53. And uh, he had preached for two days, two hours, an hour each day. And this was the closing of the conference. Dr. Robertson, I remember, said, he said, you know, Dr. Dion hasn't mentioned the radio Bible class. And said, I'm going to ask him to mention it, if you will. And if you ever heard his voice, it was a blessing to hear him in person. And he walked up to the mic and he said, how many of you folks ever heard the radio Bible class? You had a deep voice. Well, hands went up. He said, thank you. God bless you. Turn to Isaiah 53. And Brother Treber, that was his third sermon in Isaiah 53. And he never got through. But I'll never forget, it stirred my soul. That great white-headed giant, when he come to the 10th verse, it pleased God to bruise him for our iniquities. And he held that verse for a little while. It pleased God. You know, we talk about some of our songs, you know, the angels must have cried and all that stuff. It pleased God to bruise him. He said, how can you grasp that? It pleased God. He said God was happy to bruise his son for me and you. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, some of you deeper life folks, he said, you better swim right there a little while. Or you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna drown if you don't. To think that God loved people like you and I. We wasn't seeking Him. We didn't do anything to deserve it. But yet He was glad to give His own Son to die on an old rugged cross. And I want to say tonight, friend, don't never get used to being saved. Don't ever get used to it. You follow the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. I was on the road to Damascus one time after another. He talks about that. Always stay close to Calvary. Don't never get away from how much he loved you. And I'll tell you one thing. You and I will never get bitter 
if we realize and keep our mind on that. Have you ever thought about the Apostle Paul in all of his writings? He spent much of his time in jail doing right. He was put there because he was doing right. He talks about all the stripes. He talks about all many times how he was hungry. He didn't have sufficient food or sufficient clothing and all of that. But I believe there's one thing you've never read one time in any of his writings when he seemed to get bitter. And I've thought about this in 2 Corinthians 5.14. Listen to what he said. The love of Christ constraineth us. But thus we judge if one died for all, then we're all dead. I think, Brother Treber, that kept the sweetness in his soul. He never could get away from the love of Christ. Constrains. It means it controls us. And I'm saying tonight, look at some of the benefits that God's given us. There, how his love he gave his son. You think of the Bible he's given us. Thank God for the Bible. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Oh, the liberals and the modernists are trying to get this and that and thorn it. But my friend, listen, a natural man can't understand this book. And you and I ought to thank God. And in a world of changing and all of this mess going on about same-sex marriage and, and abortion and all that, bless God, God's give us a book that all the devils in hell can't do away with it. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. I love this book. The older I get, it means more to me. I don't know what I ought to know about it. But I know that the Holy Spirit knows He wrote it. And He can reveal to me what I need. And it doesn't matter how things get shaky in America or whatever. This old book will never get shaky. It's forever settled in heaven. I'm just saying, think of some of the benefits that He's given us. He's given us a Bible. He's given us the Spirit of God to live in us, to guide us, and the all truths. Isn't that a blessing? Boy, you pastors wonder what you're going to preach on next Sunday. The Holy Spirit knows, and you just seek Him, and He'll put it on your heart on what to preach on. Thank God for the benefits of the Lord. Then the privilege we have to pray. Isn't that a blessing? I mean, think of it. You know, we are 75, 80 miles from Durham, there in North Carolina. And uh, the college there, you know, uh, a few weeks ago it came out in, in the paper and it said that they believed it was making uh, some progress that uh, 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 the, the liberals, uh, all of these, the Muslims and all were getting together and praying together. Boy, isn't that awful? That's awful. They don't know no better. But you and I who know the Lord, we know better. And that's a benefit to God. Who and I? Who and I? I was reading one day about D.L. Moody. I was sharing it. I was on the plane with a Southern Baptist preacher. I was telling him about this conference. He's from somewhere in California. And I was talking about how good God is to us. And I remember reading about D.L. Moody one day. He said he was walking down the street or the sidewalk, and he said, he said there was a poor old drunk who was laying over there trying to get up out of the ditch. And said he got up on his all fours, and he fell back in his own vomit. 
Mr. Moody said, I stood there and looked. And he said, that's Dwight L. Moody, but the grace of God. Brother, you see the people around you is blinded and all of that. God has no respect to people. But let me tell you, you'd be that same way if he hadn't one day brought conviction to your heart and let you hear the word of God. And that's what I'm saying. The prayers he answered, the strength, the battles he brings us through. Man, I'll tell you, we ought to not just get those battles. But when you think God's through, you look back a little bit and see what he's brought you through. The other day, somebody was talking to me and about some troubles. And I said, you know, I've not really had any troubles. But when you look back, and there's no way. I remember 50 years ago, our Sunday school had grown from 100. My, I'm the second pastor of this church. It was seven years old, and I became pastor. And we had 153 in Sunday school that Sunday. And uh, the, the pastor had a good ministry there for seven years, uh, 200 membership. But I remember God just blessed that thing about five years. We had no bus ministry then. And about five years, we were running 500, 550 every Sunday. And brought a little old chair, I mean, the old block building there. Man, we didn't have pews. We had benches. We made them in one of the men's basement. If you didn't sit down right, it'd pinch you too. That's right. We didn't have no carpet. We didn't, we didn't have any air conditioning. I remember when the offerings $200 a week, and we had a time making it. I can remember that. And we saved money and bought us a couple big old fans. And he set one up over here and blow out one over there. And it made so much racket they couldn't hear me preach. So that didn't work. I remember those days. But then I can remember when I was 29 and I had a heart attack. And I was in the hospital 21 days. God brought me through that. Folks, that's been 51 years now. <laughs> and the doctors, and they didn't think I'd make it. That's not Bobby Robertson. That's God. That's what I'm trying to say. But how he brought me through that. Cancer twice and all of that. God's been good. But I can remember when I got out of the hospital and went able to preach. And growth, you know, the devil's always working. <laughs> and my deacons came to me and said, Preacher, we got some real hard problems and you're weak and sick. But I didn't know what a problem was till then. And said, I said, what's the matter? And the church had, had a little constitution. I didn't know what a constitution was. I just took the church and took off. And it had a constitution said the church can never have more than seven deacons. And they're permanent. Because the Bible said seven. Buddy, they were scriptural. And he had seven deacons. I never had any problems. But every year. My family and I would step outside and they'd vote where to keep us or not. And that happened for eight or ten years. Somebody said to me, said, well, how come they don't vote on them deacons and they vote on you? I said, I don't know. It's just like that. And I came here. But while I was out sick, somebody started a petition to get them deacons out. And it started circulating it around through the church. Let me say, young preachers, you can't beat waiting on God about some things. I made a lot of mistakes by acting too quick. And one of my deacons came to me. I had to, we didn't have any air conditioning. And I had a, a member had a little old motel down the road. And, and uh, he had a little air uh, units up in the 
see me at wall there, you know. And he said, you come down every day. Doctor said I had to rest at two hours every day. So you come down and rest. And I did. And I, was, I was laying in that thing one afternoon and knocked on the door. One of my deacons would never have a problem. And he said, preacher, I hate to bother you. I know you're sick and you're weak. But he said, we, we've got some terrible problems. Somebody has got a, has, has, has started a petition running around through them and trying to get them to sign it to put us deacons out. Why well, I said they can put my name on there if you do that, and I wasn't able I wasn't able to to uh, get in the church. We had steps there, and and I called a business meeting, and and they came up the steps in a chair, and I sat down and had a business meeting. I don't like them business meetings. Never have liked them since that one. About 200, 250 people there, and I said, folks, this has been reported to me, and it's not right. And one man got up and said, Pastor, I didn't sign it. It was I was asked to sign it, but it didn't say to get rid of our deacons. It was asking if we couldn't get a rotating deacon board. Probably the main thing was just wanting to get rid of it. I don't know. I got home. We had a biggest mess, and God brought me through that stuff. And, and I got home and had a telephone call. Never have found out. I'm not trying to find out who started. But somebody said, forget about that petition. It's burnt and hung up. And I try to get, I give, uh, got the church to give uh, the, the uh, deacons uh, a vote of confidence and all that and thought it settled. One or two of the deacons said, oh, some of that new crowd, tell them if they don't like it, leave. We're going, we're not going to change this thing. And that booed on, booed on. And all at once, one Sunday, I thought it's all settled. And the chairman said, just a minute before you close the Sunday morning service, well, they said, we want you to read this to the church. And I read it, and we, the deacons of Gospel Light Baptist Church, feel it's best for us to resign 30 days from today. And I said, why don't you tell me this, fellas? And that thing spewed on. That take me, but I just thought, how, the things, and I had been through it, but the things God has brought me through. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and, and they walked out on me and, and started the church and went around. Some of them, some of them would go to some of the members' houses and say, see, they, 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 I wouldn't go along with them on that. They said, I said, who is he? I don't know who it is. Just tell them we're not going to change. And I said, let's let the majority rule where they want to rotate and whatever board. And then folks tell me, said, why? Some of them folks come to me, some of them deacons come to my house. And I, they said, don't you think, get rid of Brother Bobby, we'd be better off? And said, I'll run them away. But God brought me through all that, folks, is what I'm trying to say. And if you've been saved long, you've been through a few battles. And don't feel sorry, I'm just trying to get across to you that I got a lot of benefits from God. That's what I'm trying to say. And he brought us through all of that. And, I, and there's not a man in America been blessed anymore than Bobby Robinson. I'm amazed. I'm amazed when I look out. Man, we got a, we got a Spanish church runs about 600 every Sunday. I believe it's 40 altogether, 41 saved and everything. Last Sunday like seemed like it's 16 having 3,000 Sunday school. I'm amazed. You say, preacher, you, no, you don't know how dumb I am, but you don't know how great he is. That's what I'm trying to say. And I'm just saying, if you'll count your blessings, you've got a lot of things to praise God for. And here is this psalmist says, what can I do? 
to, for him with all these blessings he's bestowed upon me. And we could go on. Now let me give you some things right quick. God laid on my heart. Number one, by the grace of God, I can live a clean life. You see, I can live a clean life. Can't you? Sure, that's a good benefit. See, somebody is watching you and I. Bible said in Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I can do that. I could give you several scriptures over here in the book of Titus. Listen, in the third chapter, listen what he said. This is a faithful saying, and these things I, I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Listen, Christian, the only representatives our Lord has is you and I here on earth. And you ought to thank God that he's let us be that representative. So I'm just saying we ought to sit out and, and, and live a clean life. Try to produce Christian works. Why, you remember when Paul, they said, uh, if you eat that meat that's been offered to idols, it won't be right. Paul said, there wasn't wrong with eating that meat. But he said, if eating that meat offend my brother, I won't eat it. Christian, that's the attitude me and you ought to take. Some of us independent Baptists feel like if we don't tell people off, we're, we've compromised. We don't have to compromise. We ought to be a Christian and let them know what it is to walk with God. That's what I'm trying to say. Live a clean life. Don't follow this world out here. Man, don't follow that. I mean, we just get yoked up with the systems of the world. Well, the rest of them's doing it. And after all, find out what God wants. And we've got enough benefits uh, from Him that we ought to, because we love Him, want to live a clean life. To glorify Him. I put down something else. Not only, but we want to share Him with others. Share Him with others. Tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I could say so many things there. Why, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we ought to share others. Uh, Andrew, he shared Jesus with his brother and went him to Christ. And, and men, you ought to. You know the Apostle Paul, you remember in Philippians chapter 1, he said, I'm a straight betwixt two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is much better. But you remember that next verse uh, there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 22, but to abide with thee is much more. What did he want to abide? He wanted to help them people. And I'm saying there's people lost, as Dr. Uh, Gibbs mentioned tonight, how we ought, there's people lost everywhere. It's never had anybody to tell them about Jesus. A few years ago, I was out knocking on doors three miles from our church. There's another man with me. And we knocked on the door, and nobody was at home. And we started to walk on. I'm talking about out in the country. I'm a, we're out in the country. And, and walked across, and I said to my fellow, I said, let's go up and just check on yonder. There's an old man sitting up there. It's, it's in the summertime. He's sitting right up there on the eve of that uh, house there trying to stay uh, cool. I said, let's, I didn't know who he was. I'm talking about three or four miles from where I'm pastored. And we went up there and got to talking to the old gentleman. He's 90, 93, I believe it was. And I asked him if he'd know he was saved. And he said, no. And I said, sir, where was you raised? He was raised around in that area. And I asked him, I said, has anybody ever told you how that you can know you're saved and going to heaven? He said, no, sir. I said, could I tell I led him to Christ. But I thought, that's a shame. That wasn't Africa. That's near Walkertown. 
And they're all around us. And we ought to appreciate what God's done for us. And if anything's good, Lord, want somebody else to have it. That's what I'm trying to say. And so we ought to, we ought to share it with others. So many things I could say. You know, my oldest brothers, three of us boys, dad died when we were just kids. And, uh, I got saved. My older brother's 18 months older than me. And he was one of the cleanest living sinners you ever seen. <laughs> he'd come hear me preach sometime and, and then he'd, he'd, I'd see him get his handkerchief out and wipe and slip out after service, of course, and stay gone. And I'd go to see him. And, 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 one, day, and one day I got under such conviction, I thought, it's a shame. Our daddy's in heaven. And there's my brother is lost. I'd won my younger brothers, three of us boys, and I went to see him. He went my initial C.E. Charles was his name. I said, C.E., I want you to forgive me. He said, Bob, you what have you done? I, I don't. And I said, for letting you, not talking to you about your soul. I said, son, we've talked about times when we growed up and all of that. But I said, you remember dad preached and we don't remember a lot about it. We were just young. But I said, I want to tell you, you're a fine peller, but the Bible said you're a sinner. He said, I know that. I said, I want to just go through the plan of salvation. I took the Roman trail and went through with him. And I tried to lead him to Christ. And he said, you don't owe me apology, I know, but not now. And I said, I'm going to pray. I prayed with him. Two weeks later, I was, was kind of like it was when he was praying for Peter to get out of prison. I couldn't hardly believe it. When he comes to the church, he'd always get right in the back. And two weeks after that, we was getting ready for the preaching service. I looked up, and he's about six or eight pews from the front. Ah, that's my brother. And that night, that morning... When I preached and gave my invitation, here he come. I jumped off the platform, threw my arms around his neck, and I said, see, you do. He said, I got saved right back there, Bob. I never shouted many times. My old dad, my old father-in-law was a Matthews, and he was there that morning. He said, I never seen anybody cut up so. Bless God, I jumped up from there. I don't know where I went. I was his pastor. But about five years ago, I was preaching somewhere, and they called me. And he slipped out to heaven. I had his funeral. But I almost let my brother go to hell. And I had what he needed, and he knew it. That's what I'm talking about. Folks, I'm just saying that we need, we need to do. Let me give you another one here quickly. We need to stay in fellowship with the Lord all the time. You know, little hard feelings and little bitterness can take the fellowship away. You remember what he says in so many verses over there in First John 1, 3? He said, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We need to stay in fellowship. And in verse 7, he said, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another in the blood of Christ who cleanses. We ought to stay in fellowship because of what he's done for us fellowship with the lord you know you know fellowship with uh you know i can talk to him by prayer he talks to me by the word and unless we communicate we can't be in fellowship that's what i'm talking about and the lord wants us to fellowship with him and we need to take time. Just how many times do we ever get alone and just say lord i haven't come to ask you for a thing this time 
I just want, I never will forget the first time I heard Bob Jones Sr. preach in person. It was in Winston-Salem. Now, I'll be saved next month. I'll be saved 63 years. And so it's been at least 61 years ago. And I went over there and said that man founded the Bob Jones University, and I went to hear him preach. I'd just been saved a year or two. That him and Dr. Rice and Dr. Robertson was there together at that church. And Dr. Jones got up to preach. i never forget this. And he said, let's pray. And he started something like this. Dear Jesus, I love you. I want to thank you for dying for me. I want to thank you for sending the Holy Spirit down yonder somewhere in Alabama. I forgot South Alabama. A little old boy nine years old and showed him he needed a Savior. I want to thank you for giving me faith to trust you. And listen, folks, this is what he said before he got through praying. He said, for just a minute, by faith, I want to get up here in your lap and put my arms around your neck and tell you I love you. You're sweet, Lord. He said, you put so many stars out there, I've never seen them all yet. And man, alive, I peeped. I didn't know where he could see Jesus or not. I never heard a man like that in my life. And buddy, he, 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 he got in, he got in fellowship and he took off and preached. I mean, he was a preaching man. We need to get along with God. Dr. Lee Robertson says every morning we need to see his face before we face anyone else. And that's true, my friend. That's true. Our Dr. Robertson tells a story of a little, of a, of a lady who died and little boy, I think, was three years old. She died sudden. And Dr. Robertson said, I used to hear him tell this story. And little boy, daddy didn't know how to tell this little fella that his mama was dead and all that. And he tried every way. And little old boy cried himself to sleep. And one night he just said, son, I'll have to tell you, your mother's dead and she won't be coming back. And he tried to explain to her. This actually happened and said the light was off. A little old boy said, Daddy, are you turned towards me? His daddy said, no. He said, Daddy, would you turn over towards me? And he turned over in the bed. Little fellow was with him in the bed. He said, Daddy, if you'll turn towards me and you'll let your face stay towards me, I believe I'll go to sleep. Listen, folks. There's nothing like good fellowship with people. But bless God, when you walk and talk with Him, that's what I'm talking about, fellowship. i got to tell you this right quick. I'll quit in a few minutes. But I heard Dr. Hiles tell, some of you may have heard him tell it. He said he was at Highland Park preaching where Dr. Robertson was pastor. Charles Weigel. The one wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. If you remember, he had no living relatives in his latter days. And Dr. Robinson moved him to Chattanooga and gave him a place to, to live. Brother Howells was preaching at Highland Park when I heard him tell it. He said, I was here a few years ago. And he said, Dr. Weigel wasn't here. And I asked Dr. Robertson. He said he's, he's, he's really not well. He just wasn't able to get to the service. And Brother Howell said, I want to see him so bad. And I, he said, well, you can go. He told her down the hall, no, no. And he said, you can go down there after service. 
Brother Hiles said I went to the door and I could hear him talking. He said I stood out there, seemed like 10 minutes. I wanted to speak to him, but he kept talking. And he said I uh, finally thought I'm just going to interrupt this company, and I knocked on the door. And that big giant, uh, we wasn't no big man anyway, he came to the door, opened the door and said, Brother Hiles, come in. Good to see you. He said, Dr. Weigel, he said, I've been standing out here for quite a while. said, I, I don't want to interrupt you and your company, but I just want to speak. He said, I don't have no company. Come on in. And he said, I stepped inside the door. And he said, I think he was 92 then. He was 94 or 95, and he died, if I remember right. Anyway, Dr. Howell said, uh, well, I've been hearing you talk out there. Somebody talking. Said he dropped his head and he said, Well, you know Jesus, and I was just having a little fellowship. But I said, The old gentleman was standing there with his shoes on, had his socks on. He said, Well, where's your shoes? He said, He said, Brother House, don't, don't think I'm crazy, but it's got so sweet in here. I've been up on the bed jumping up and down having a good time. Listen to me, folks. This generation of Christians is missing that fellowship. My old grandmother Stanley went to heaven when she was 96. She was a widow for years. Man, she was an old-fashioned Christian. She, she left the Methodist church and went to the Baptist, but she, them old-fashioned Methodists believed this second blessing stuff, you know. Granny never did get that out of her. But she and I had some things in common. We'd talk about the Lord. I'd go see her. She said, Bobby, now, don't you make fun of me. I know you don't look at it, but son, I believe you've had the second blessing. I said, thank you, Granny. But let me tell you, she'd tell me some stories. She said the other day, son, she said, you know, my old water pipes had froze out. And no man here to help me. And I got to feeling bad trying to thaw out them things. And said, the Lord brought Job to my mind. And she said, you know, I just got the Bible down and read the book of Job. She talked like 42 chapters like me and you to read a chapter. She said, I just read. And she said, son, I'm going to tell you, God came down and blessed my soul. She lived in an old big two-store house. And she said, I just got upstairs, and the Lord and I was having a hallelujah time all over that up there. Folks, we got a lot of wildfire today, but we don't have much reality of the true Holy Spirit of God. Listen, when we get back to fellowship and walking with God, we don't have to have the contemporary mess out here that's nothing to face. Brother, God will come down and meet with us. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm afraid we spend so much time, and don't misunderstand me, but we spend our time on computers and, and, and phones and everything else instead of getting alone and talking and fellowshipping with God. And brother, if we could fellowship with God and let the glory of God come down on us like it did on Moses and then come to church like that, bless God, you talking about God meeting. We'd walk out there and say, boy, there's been an unusual spirit there today. And that's what we need by friend. And I'm saying tonight, we need to do that. Then let me say, and i got to quit, we need to be faithful to church. Yeah. I mean, don't you get away from church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 
Man, let me tell you, Dr. Clarence Sexton told me a while back, he said, Bobby, it's hard to find a Baptist church that has a Sunday night service. It's hard to find them in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, let me tell you, go to church. whole lot in the Bible about that. Old David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. You see, Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. What is it that I might dwell in the house of the Lord? In Psalm 84, and verse 4, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they shall still be Praising Thee, my friend. I'm just saying, be faithful. Listen, listen to me tonight. Now you preachers have to be faithful if you're pastoring. But I'm talking about everybody else. Bless God, you make sure that you have your have your preeminences right, and don't stay away from church. You be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Your neighbors are watching you, and you be faithful to church. I want to say this. Hope you understand I'm giving God the glory. My wife and I got married. We've been married 62 years. I was 17. You say, that's too young. Too late to tell me now. <laughs> She's the sweetest thing on earth. I'm not kidding you. Man, I left Greensboro this morning. And when I, I'm 20 minutes from the airport, when I got there, I said, Mom, I'm here. And she said, Dad, don't forget, I love you. Bye, sweetie. And then when I got to, where did I go next? Oh, yeah, when, when I got to Atlanta, you got to go to, if you're going to heaven, you got to go through Atlanta, I think. And uh, when I was in Atlanta, I said, Mom, I'm here. She said, now call me again. I got to Salt Lake City. I said, Mom, I'm here. And a while ago, I called her, and I said, now, Mom, I'm not going to call you. We're three hours difference. I said, you need to go to bed. And she said, honey, you remember I love you. Oh, bless God. But let me tell you, my wife was a church member. I was 17, she was 19, we got married. And, uh, she was a church member, uh, and so on, and, 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 and come to church. And our boy Steve came along 18 months after we was married. And, uh, and my wife got along there, and then finally she kind of got out of church. And they'd put me on the deacon board there in that little church. And, uh, and, and she, she just, she just said, well, I, I just don't want to go there. And I almost quit going to church. I remember I went to the, one of the older deacons and shared with him. And I said, I think I'm going to get off the board. He said, no, you just wait and let's do some praying. And, 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 and please, I almost thought, well, I'll just quit being faithful myself. And it went on for, I, I can't tell you how long, where's a year or so, I don't know. I used to go down to the old, I lived there close to the old Robertson farm, and I'd go down there on Sunday afternoon in the old feed barn and cry and beg God to move on the heart to my wife to go with me. After some time, all at once, I was getting ready for the Sunday evening service, and she said, I believe I'll just go with you tonight. Well, that sounds good. Our church had little one aisle, had about 75, 80 in Sunday school, had one aisle. The old preacher preached that night, and, and we didn't have a nursery back then, and she's holding our baby, and we're sitting back about halfway. And at the end of invitation, he says, uh, he said, I'd just like to shake hands with everybody on the way to heaven tonight. He said, you know, may never meet again. I'd never known to do that. He just stood out, had him to sing something, Amazing Grace or something. And he said, if you're on your way to heaven, just want to shake hands with you. Well, I knew she professed to be a Christian. And uh, 
I said, well, well, honey, you want me to hold a baby? And she said, no, you just go ahead. I said, okay. So I go on and leave her there. I, I'm coming down the aisle. I shake hands with the preacher. I go back. And just about the time, all, before I got back to where I was sitting, here comes my wife. Well, I thought, why didn't she come on me? And the lady sitting on the end of the pew had her baby. And about the time I sit down, back in those days, somebody come up to get saved. They'd say, you ladies or you men, whatever, want to get around here and pray. This person wants to be saved. You remember those, some of you remember those days. But let me tell you what happened. About the time I started to sit down, the old pastor said, some of you ladies want to come up and get around here and pray. This woman wants to be saved. It was my wife. I don't tell this very often, but it might help somebody. Maybe you're going through some trials. I'll never forget what she said when she stood at her feet. She said, I've done everything I know how to try to stop him from his place, but I've seen he had something I didn't have. And my wife got saved two years after I did. Folks, you never know. You never know. My daddy been dead 68 years. I remember you used to tell about that old peg leg man. Man had a one leg, a wooden leg, then peg leg. He tried to get this man to go to church and go to church and he wouldn't go. And old peg had to go through his yard every time to get out to the church. And rain, snow, or whatever, he was going. That old man heard the, heard something go slop, sloppy one Sunday morning. It was in a mess and raining. And look, there goes old peg. He got ready and went to the 11 o'clock service, got saved that day. And they was asking this, so three, and they said, what, did, what happened? What, and, and he said, you see, that old one-legged man right there, I watched him. Don't nothing stop him. I thought it must be good. I'm coming up here and see what it's about. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Listen, as long as God gives men you the health and strength, we can be faithful, and we can stay in fellowship with him, and we can share others. Tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can live a clean life. And then we can tithe too, can't we? We can give to the Lord. I'll have to quit. I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, let me let me say this. Christian, we ought to give because we love the Lord. I know what Malachi says, all of that. But you remember that little widow that came when Jesus is taking the offering? She put what she did. In the eyes of the people, she'll give the least, but in his eyes. You know why she gave those two my Because she loved him. How about Mary when she brought that alabaster box of ointment? They said, you ought to sold that. How come her break that? Because she loved him. Oliver Green. I don't know where you folks hear his. He's still on radio uh, out this way. I had Oliver in three-day revival back in 1966. And, I, and he gave me my first Schofield Bible. Man, he, he pushed Schofield Bibles. And I remember after, on Wednesday night after the service was over with, that's the last, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday he preached. And we were sitting in my office. And he started putting his name in. He, he gave me a, uh, gave me a New Testament. Schofield New Testament. I'd never seen Schofield New Testament at that time. And he, he, he autographed it. And he autographed one for my wife. And then he, he gave me one of his best buys. I said, wait a minute. You can't give me all that. I got a Bible. You can't. He said, how come I can't? It's mine. That's the way he talked. 
He said, Brother Bobby, I've learned if I'll obey God, give like God tells me, He'd take care of me. And folks, honestly, that man hadn't more than given me all that until somebody knocked on my office door. Now, people's gone, most of the church, and I opened the door, and there stood a man, and he said, Is Preacher Green still here? And I said, Right there he sits. He said, I don't want to bother you fellas, but I got halfway home tonight, and God there with me. Preacher Green, God want me to give you. He'd give him a lot of money. I don't know how much he gave him. And then he went on his way. Dr. Green said, you see what I'm talking about, son? And then he said this. You know, he was a member of Tabernacle in Greenville, South Carolina. Harold Seidler was his pastor. And he, he had bad health. And he said this. He said the other night, we went to church. And I told my wife, I said, now just as soon as Dr. Seidler says, amen, let's get out of here. I don't feel like talking. And he said right at the end of the service, Doc Seitler told there's a missionary and told about me he needs some help bad. We're going to send Pastor Offord. And he said, I looked over my wife and said, uh, you write a $50 check. And she whispered back and said, you don't have much more. And he said, write it anyway. And he said, she did. He'd tell me stories like that. And he said, he said when Dr. Seitler said, Amen. I started and said, somebody grabbed my coat. I said, oh, Lord. And it was an old lady sitting behind and said, Preacher Green, I don't want to, with, I don't want you to stop you. I know, I know you're in a hurry and all that. But, but God told me to give this to you and said, she give me a $50 bill. <laughs> you know, if you and I just love the Lord, that's it. And I'll take care of it, you see. That's what I'm talking about. Just uh, benefits we can give. And then let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Because of his benefits, I ought to be willing to take the persecutions. Matthew 5, I'm not going into that. Matthew 5, the Lord says, when a man asks you to go one mile, go with him two. Why, preacher? Because all the benefits he's given me, I ought to be willing to go the extra mile. He said, when they talk about you, say all manner of evil against you and all of that. He said, you just love them anyhow. You love your enemies. Why should I love my enemies? Because of how much he loves me. See, that's a benefit to show them. Why well, the Lord says, if I just love those who love me, he says a sinner can do that. But it takes the grace of God. So I'm just saying, I can love people. I can go through persecution. I can go through splits and all of that. Some of you may be right now facing some things in your church, and you say, I don't want to do that for the cause of Christ. Stick in there. Stick in there. I don't mean you have to be there forever like I am. I don't mean that. But I'm afraid sometimes too many pastors are looking for some easy way. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me and you. And in my last point, I can be a thankful person. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. Be a thankful person. Be a thankful person. You remember the story, what the Lord tells us about in Luke 17, about the ten lepers. And if you remember, he healed them. But there's only one turned back. He said, and fell at his feet. He was thankful. And Jesus said, where they're not ten, where's the nine? Folks, I think uh, that, that we, we ought to be a thankful person. I want to tell you this story. Dr. Ernest Hancock, 
I, I, Brother Raymond, you may have, you've not related. I don't know where you ever knew Ernest Hancock. He's been with the Lord for you. One of the greatest Bible teachers I ever heard. My early ministry gospel lad, I, he lived, he lived in the, about a hundred miles from our church. And I'd get him each year to come in. He'd teach five nights, take a book in the Bible and teach five nights to our people. He was really used now. He, he was telling me one day, he was in the state of Maine preaching. And the pastor said, I want you to go with me to one of my members, the most grateful people I've ever seen. And he said, we went over there, and it's a little house, three-room house with a little porch on front. And there sat a little man sitting on the front porch with one chair. And we got out and walked up to him and said, that preacher was so thrilled that the pastor, I mean, that man so thrilled that the pastor had brought the evangelist. And he said he wanted me to sit down in that chair, and he and the pastor sat on the side of the porch, and we did a little while. Went down a stream, got us some water out of the spring. And said that little fellow weighed, I think he said 87 pounds, sick little but said his words was, God's so good. God's so good. He said we got back to the house. He said, Brother Bobby, uh, the pastor told him, so we're going to have to go. And he said, come in the house with me, preacher, just a minute. I want to show you how good God is. He said we walked in that house. And he said, you know, I've been praying for a long time that the Lord would let me have a kitchen sink. He said, so my wife, when she washes dishes, she wouldn't have to go outside and pour the dishwater out. And he said the other day, he said, I borrowed our neighbor's horse, a, a mule and wagon, and went to get some feed ground somewhere there. And said, God answered my prayer. He said, on the side of the road out there was a big wooden box just laying out there. And said, I got it. And he said, look at there, fellas. And he said, what he had done? Listen, he said, Dr. Hancock said he had took that lumber and he took and he had made him just a box. And he had took that old uh, dishpan, rusted out dishpan, and beat it over the sides of it and put a hole in it and had a pipe sticking up and, and just a sealed wall. And he had bored a hole in the wall, and that pipe went outside. And he said, look how good God is. And he said, you know, he always does more than you asked him to, said, I had, a, I had enough lumber that he let me make her a cabinet. And Dr. Hancock said, look, and said there was, there was just a, a, a planks up there on the wall with one shelf through it, no doors, and just a few dishes. And that little old man said, in God good. And he said this, Dr. Hancock, he said, Preachers, before you go, I want you to have a prayer with me and let's dedicate it to the Lord. But tell you, old Dr. Hancock said, he said, Brother Bobby, I knelt and I swallowed some tears down for a while and repented. Then I thank God for that. He said he lived in Star, North Carolina, down the eastern part of the state. And he said, when I got home, I said to Miss Hancock, we're going to have an old-fashioned dedication. And he said, we got up there, and we went up to the sink where many times I've turned a faucet. And we bowed and said, God, I've took this for granted many times. We want to thank you for this. 
He loved reading. And he said, we went to, went to the stand beside of my bed. He said, Lord, I've turned this uh, lamp on many times and been able to read here in my bed, but I've never thanked you for this. And then he said, we got out beside the bed and said, I, I, I prayed all the time, but I never thanked you for this bed. He said we went to the kitchen and we thanked him for every piece of furniture all through the house. We had an old-fashioned Thanksgiving dedication to God. I never forget that. My friend, it's high time. Men, you Christians, don't forget. We got a lot to be grateful for. We got a whole lot. I think it'd do us good sometime to go back and go back yonder and don't forget where God's brought us from. And we don't deserve anything. But look how good He is. Take these simple thoughts. I believe the Holy Spirit gave them to me tonight. What can I render to Him? Listen, I can live clean by His grace. I can be a witness for Him. I can tell others how sweet He is. I can stay in fellowship with Him. He wants to fellowship with me. I can be faithful to read His Bible. I can be faithful in church. I can give to His work. What He gives to me, I can give to Him. I, I can stand by His grace for persecution because of how much He loves me and what persecutions He went through. And I can be a thankful person. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.